Good evening, I am Troy Goodfellow, and you are listening to Three Moves Ahead. Uh, apologies for not having a lot of shows in February. It was one of those months where everything seemed to break down in my life. <laughs> uh, no, we had a lot of sickness on the panels, and my, I had a whole lot of work to do, so my schedule got com- completely messy. But here we are, we're back to start off March with the big game of February. And to do that, I have two of the biggest people in well, not my life, but just the biggest people here today. <laughs> uh, we have uh, PC Gamers, Fraser Brown. Hello. And from Gamers with Jobs, the Game King, Sean Sands. It's true. I'm 6'4", 240 pounds. I'm no Rob Zachney, but, you know, I, I can fill a room. <laughs> you know, we, we could maybe put together a, a, a decent rugby team with uh, <laughs> with three moves, with regular three moves ahead panelists. You know, R- 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 Rowan's a tall guy. Yeah, uh, TJ's tall. He's got. I think got, we could be TJ's not tall. TJ's a little guy. Oh, he's he looks tall. <laughs> he's, I'm he's tiny. Not, I'm he's like not five little, eight. Well, yeah, he's not little like us. Uh, anyway, we're, <laughs> it's not we're a hobbit. here. Not, not a hobbit. We're here to talk about uh, from Tuga Games and Firaxis, the newest expansion to Civilization VI, Gathering Storm. This is a huge expansion, which uh, had a huge uh, retail game price, uh, which kind of shows the kind of the amount of work and effort they think they've put into this. And we're going to just talk about uh, what it changes, how it alters uh, the game. Um, some of the ambitions. This is a very ambitious expansion, I think. It tries to have a bit of a message to it. And we're going to start by throwing it over to Fraser. You reviewed this for PC Gamer. You gave it a very, very strong review. Um, why don't you talk about, explain to our listeners, what the major changes they will see uh, if they bought a Gathering Storm, or for those who haven't. I know a lot of our audience probably already has, but for those who haven't. So it's uh, an endgame-leaning expansion, in that the the biggest feature, the the headline feature, is probably climate change. Uh, so it sort of filters down into the rest of the game, starting right at the beginning, though. So it's more of an it's an has an overall impact where you are having a greater impact on the world around you by burning fuel to power buildings to build units in the industrial age, but. There's this whole weather system now that creates little miniature catastrophes like flooding, storms, volcanic eruptions, and these can happen throughout. Like right from day one, you've just settled, the the weather can get a little bit rocky. So basically, you spend most of the game sort of just ignoring the weather. It happens, you can't do a lot about it. If a volcano erupts, what are you going to do? He's going to maybe try and not build there. But eventually, the sea levels start to rise. The land starts to disappear. Islands just vanish completely. And that's when you can start making a positive impact on the environment. It becomes about like saving the world and using diplomacy to push the rest of the civs into rescuing the planet. So that's basically the, the gist of Gathering Storm. That's that's the number one big feature. Actually, this is something to pay attention to from the very beginning because uh, when you settle a new city, it will let you know way back in like 3000 BC, hey, this area might flood 5,000 years from now, <laughs> which is, you know, some real forward thinking from uh, the Magi there letting you know that, 
your descendants are going to be jackasses. They're going to kill the planet. So you shouldn't settle Jericho uh, on the coast. There's some common sense <laughs> involved. Like, if you see a volcano, maybe don't build there. However, there are actual, like, benefits. Like... Yeah. yeah, you might not want to build on a floodplain because your improvements could get destroyed. You could, like, a catastrophe could happen. And as, as, as time progresses, it gets worse and more dangerous. But you also get increased fertility. So you, there are benefits to actually taking these risks. Yeah, and those benefits, it's interesting because the way I really thought about particularly the settlement phase. So, you know, in that early beginning state of the game, you're like, oh, there's a volcano over there. I'm going to go to the other side of the map now because that is not a problem I'm prepared to take on in my first one or two cities, right? If you're just getting started and you're just starting your production on, you're like your second builder and he goes out and he's farming, you know, fixing up a tile and then a volcano erupts on him and he's dead. Like that's a huge impact, particularly in the early game. Um, so I actually thought about... The weather systems, you know, things like droughts and flooding and stuff like that, way, way more in the early game than I do really in the mid game when the civilization is kind of operating on its own. And if you lose that, you know, if you lose that commercial district for a few turns and you have to go back and repair it, it's not really hampering you the same way. Um, so I do like that there is and there's also ways to mitigate it in in the game too eventually you build technologies that kind of protect you like the most obvious one is being able to build um you know ways to avoid flooding uh you, you can build dams you can also build sort of seawalls and stuff like that to address the climate change impacts um so there is sort of this interesting evolving way of processing this game mechanic the game mechanic itself doesn't change but the way you act, sort of interact with it um to, such that by the end of of my most recent game uh which was on a, a continent map uh and i sort of made a conscious decision early on like i was going to settle mostly interior so i'm just not even going to worry about it like i'm i'm sitting there i'm just i'm taking the opposite approach i'm just like uh, putting up a new coal burning <laughs> building good luck the phoenicians you know <laughs> So, so there's a lot of ways to approach these mechanics that I that I really like. Like, I, I I enjoy the weather mechanics. I enjoy the climate change mechanics. I enjoy them not just as sort of um, parable lessons, but also as just sort of an interesting way of interacting and thinking about the game throughout the different stages of of playing it. But I think the interesting thing is how Fraxis has kind of approached uh, not just climate change but fixing climate change and it's put the focus on diplomacy that's the big thing that's how and it's it's pretty reasonable to be honest that is how you would fix climate change is everyone agreeing to stop destroying the planet um but so it starts at the very beginning really when you start meeting new civs and you become embroiled in this new diplomacy system you start generating uh, it's diplomatic favor or something i think yeah. it's called or favor yeah. um it's like a, a currency that you spend on voting in the the new world congress and some of the most important things you vote on are like banning certain fuels like you can no longer use oil or coal and it affects every sieve and that has a huge impact on the rising sea levels and climate change if you've caught it before it's gotten really bad you can halt it in its tracks by just forcing every sieve to adhere to this new law 
but you need to have the the diplomatic clout to do that and that is something you kind of have to focus on and build up through the game uh it's it is it is like a kind of a pretty rational way to deal with climate change but it works really well and it's i think it makes one of the weakest things in civ which is diplomacy like one of its I don't want to say strongest parts, but certainly one of its most like engaging. Like you're always dealing with these other saves and competing with them in this kind of global stage. Um, it's it's a lot more fun to deal with, but it also makes some of the the annoying things about diplomacy like a real pain in the ass. Like I'm done with like secret goals, traits, all that sort of crap. I am so sick of it now having these weird things like I'm angry because you haven't built enough ships. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's so annoying now. What do you I... care how many ships I have? Um, no, if, if, if I had to give a most improved award to some element of the game, it's definitely diplomacy, right? I think the the inclusion of this as a uh, of diplomacy as a blend between a currency and a sort of requirement from the perspective of the you know bringing back in the world congress which was that was in civilization five right the yeah. world congress thing and then it had gone away and now it's back um but kind of combining that with this currency because it's not just that you take these things and you can spend them specifically in the world congress so what happens is every so often the world congress convenes or if there's an emergency the world congress convenes there are a couple of votes put up and then you can spend those points to upvote or down vote or whatever um, to to kind of push your agenda and the more that you collect these and the way you collect them is a, a variety of things you can research technologies you can uh, build wonders you can do different things to focus on just generating diplomatic favor within um, you know uh, the, the different civilizations what I also love is you can trade them I love that they also work as an actual currency. Technically, um, you, you could trade them because have you ever come across a bit where you have actually successfully bought favor from another city? Okay. Because they let me let me rephrase. <laughs> you can spend them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can spend them. And again, I think I think there is a through line that's going to go through at least my feeling of this, which is there have always been some serious AI problems with Civ Six, and that remains true, improved, but in tr still true. Um, and I think that's one of the ways too. Like you can you can have a civilization on the ropes in a war, and you're like, give me all your cities. They're like, done. Okay, give me all of your whales. Yeah, here are all of my whales. Here's all of my money. Can I have one diplomatic favor and they're like no no that is a bridge too far sir you can have all of my land but you cannot have one diplomatic favor but you can spend it um and they will offer it to you sometimes too right if they approach you with a deal they'll actually offer it if if it's something they're interested in doing um but if you need to get like you know, Japan in a war against Rome, um, and you don't have a lot of cash, but you do have a lot of diplomatic favor, um, the AI does really prize that. And you can use that as a way to do it, which makes intuitive sense as a diplomatic model, right? We, it is a way of sort of saying, hey, we've done a lot, you know, we have a lot of trustworthiness, or we have a lot of, you know, diplomatic strength. Um, I would like to cash in some of the goodwill your civilization has towards us to go, you know, kill Rome or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's like that just that that has made 
the, the diplomacy is far from perfect, right? It's not the best part of the game, but I think it is that most improved because I am finding that way more interesting a thing to interact with uh, as opposed to before where I just was, I, I, I almost just wanted to play a domination game so I didn't have to care what anybody else thought about me. I could just close diplomacy every time um, and I haven't done that as much. Well, one of the great things about diplomatic favor is that now I care about alliances. And I never really yeah. did before, except because very rarely would they actually be useful in a war. Like some would, people don't declare war on me because I'm just too great and awesome. So mm -hmm. it's not like I'm being dragged into wars generally a lot of the time. Um, and the bonuses for alliances, you know, there are three levels of alliances. This was introduced in the last expansion. They generally aren't all that amazing. But the fact that you get an extra diplomatic favor every turn for every alliance you are in mm -hmm. makes it worth And now it's something you have to share because your opponent, your counterpart of the alliance, he gets that as well. But if you're in three alliances and all those guys are only in one and it's with you, you're tripling up diplomatic favor on them, on that aspect. And you also get diplomatic favor for the number of city-states that you're nice to, um, which is why it's kind of annoying that the AI still has this tendency to just plow through every city-state they run into, which is oh, yeah. very... It's, an AI thing. They, I can understand if you know if the Mongols want to do it or Alexander wants to do it because it's part of their personality. Um, but the AI really just loves to just annihilate city states, which makes them lag behind a lot in diplomatic favor. Because I just collect up all those suzerain points, um, mm -hmm. so it's no problem for me for every vote to just be throwing in a hundred diplomatic favor on pretty much every vote. Um, so the AI doesn't play that very well, but it does have to be paying attention to the alliances a lot more than I did, where I'm actually might want a friend or two instead of just, as you said, Sean, not even caring about what you think. I mean, Barbarossa, go to hell. You can stop ringing the doorbell. <laughs> I'm not answering your messages. Uh, so I actually might want to see, okay, what's affecting these relationships? He has grievances against me. How long? Cause instead of, um, Warmongeriness, they have grievances now, where if you break a promise, they have grievances against you, and that hurts your opinion. Or mm -hmm. if you declare a surprise yep. war, those are grievances. And the more grievances you, acc you accrue from other nations, the less other nations are willing to, to treat you, willing to, to trust you. And these go away over time, and you can see the rate, and they go away faster earlier in the game than they do later, uh, for obvious reasons. The time's more compressed in the earlier uh, part mm -hmm. of the game. So the diplomacy actually does take on... I mean, it's still not amazing, because civilization no. has always been, especially the most recent civilizations, a good mixture of okay mechanics. Not a bunch of great mechanics polished together, but a bunch of okay, decent mechanics that fit together in a really nice way. Mm -hmm. uh, so you take any one out and analyze it, and it's like, oh, this doesn't work all that great. But in the context of where civ diplomacy was and what they're trying to do with it, this is a huge advance, um, and I think I, th I think it's more important than the global warming stuff. Uh, which I, agree. I Which I find kind of a meh. Because it never gets all that bad, really. Like you said, Sean, you settle in, in the interior and you just pollute everyone. Well, shouldn't global warming be bothering you too? I mean, why is this? The, the coasts rise and that's great and there are a few more storms and a little more flooding. But you know, if I'm in the middle of the forest and I'm up, I'm hunkered up in Minnesota or something and it, the, the murder of the planet doesn't bother me. And it never... 
it never seems to get to be a real crisis. So, you know, what I do, I spend those diplomatic points on making sure I can build my army faster or on banning coal burning plants. It stops too early, doesn't it? That's, it does. That's exactly it, it. Is it five? It's five phases, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it starts really like because the moment you get into the industrial or mo- sorry modern era, um, and you start burning all that fuel and and those units start spending all this fuel and you have so many more reasons to use these resources like fuel powers your cities. You can't use certain units without fuel. It's like it's a necessity, and the sea levels really quickly start to rise unless you start making some big changes. And it does seem dramatic at first. Like, the whole coast can just vanish. You can lose quite a lot of tiles. And then, just mm-hmm. as it's getting terrifying, that's the end of global warming. Climate change has just stopped. It's not <laughs> well, like I mean, over. It's just plateaued. And then you throw, <laughs> and if you throw up the, 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 the seawalls, yeah, it, all, it all gets better. It's all healed. Everything's I would fine. say that seawalls, like, I noticed that um, I had a war, a big war during, uh, like, the worst part of climate change, and I took up a, a bunch of cities and needed to get seawalls built, but it was like, they're still pretty costly. It's a, it's a, yeah. it takes a pretty, time. and by then it was just, like, actually too late, but those cities were, like, still fine. They lost, like, a couple of useless hexes. Uh, that's the thing, it actually tells you how many tiles you've lost. And it, and mm-hmm. my first game, it was 71 or something. I'm like, right, that's like nearly 100 tiles. It's not a tiny amount. But that's like a lot of just useless tiles that I didn't even see that had no effect. It's different if you're playing on an island map, but on continents, exactly. yeah. on continents it's not as noticeable, or it's that it stops too early. It's noticeable, but then it stops when it's really getting good. Yeah, I think there's also, like, it depends on which civilization you play, which style you play. Like, you can definitely set up a map where um, global warming is going to be an absolute nightmare, right? You can set up sort of a hard uh, a map with, you know, archipelagos and, or, you know, sort of an island map. Um, and that's going to change that experience. Now, personally, that just makes a lot of the rest of the game unfun for me. I just don't, I don't like those particular styles where you're like, well, this is my island. I guess I'll, I guess I'll discover somebody in about six hours. You know, it's just, that's, that's a whole different play style, but you can set it up in a way where, where, where global warming has a bigger impact. I think there are, you know, the other thing that, that global warming does is it's supposed to increase the severity of the uh, the weather phenomenon that happened. But at that point, I feel like I just have so many tools where I'm just like, there was a massive flood. Your hydroelectric dam is fine, though, so don't worry. Like, Or, you know, there's there's a huge drought over here. That's okay. My other 19 cities will probably cover the food <laughs> shortage. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't carry that weight, that sort of scariness um, that I, I, I think it wants to. And yeah, the biggest impact is, is that land disappearing. Um, and it just, I kind of, I did. I wanted it to kind of keep, I wanted it to keep ramping up as a thing I could not an- ignore or could not sit back and say, well, it's almost over. It'll be fine. I've already, lo- I've already lost the coast, so it's fine. I mean, like, why aren't there forest fires burning down your lumber yards or yeah. something, you know? Well, the increase in, like, little disasters is, like, a couple of percent by the, right. like, worst of it. 
Um, yeah. I'd like apparently destroyed my planet, but I was still just getting like five percent storms, and I'm like, oh, terrifying. <laughs> it's like they never, <laughs> never worried about it. Um, but I think it's. A, I really do think that the climate change system is is really good, and it has like a, a positive impact on the game. It just yeah. stops too early. Um, I think that's actually. It's and it's. I think it's so big. It's not even like that fixable. They would have to add like another like five phases onto it. Um, maybe modders can do it. I just I don't see them adding more in a patch or anything. I mean, it, it, like all civs, it has a very. I mean, civ as a civ as a brand as a franchise as a design has always been very. It's been a it, it, it's a progress model of history. It's the weak model of history where every one thing follows another, and better science will get you where you need to go. So you know you have the dams will fix your flooding, and yep. uh, seawalls will fix the coastlines, and you can do this carbon recapture. You can never do enough carbon recapture, by the way. I don't know what the hell, why even bother? <laughs> uh, but you can do carbon recapture to try to reduce your historic carbon footprint. Um, you can go nuclear uh, instead of, I mean, I just skip coal altogether for power plants. I go straight to oil because uh, they're close enough in time that mm -hmm. I don't mind the small production penalty for not having uh, coal-powered factories. I guess they run on steam or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then I get, then I just beeline straight to oil. Um, I will actually have wars over oil now, which is, you know, kind of very thematically. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I will fight for, because, you know, as Fraser said, units need oil, and one of those units is infantry. Infantry is like the mm. backbone of your modern army, and it requires oil to build and to function uh, well, to fight well, you require... And so it does I, not function well if you do not have that oil. If you run low on that supply, and all of a sudden your 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 fighting force is, is just sort of sitting there in the dust doing nothing and that is a that's kind of a nightmare you kind of like oil is a requirement yeah i mean and and, and, and but but your battleships are always powered by coal which pisses me off because i don't want to use yeah. coal but my battleships are always using coal uh so you know but so so science always has a solution to global warming which i guess makes sense people don't want to do, people don't want to be told the way of life is unsustainable as the musical goes uh and this, the idea that, oh, we, we can actually fight this uh, with diplomacy or with science or with a rocket ship uh, is a very civil way of doing it. I can see why they don't want to make it into progressively more catastrophic uh, solutions that don't require everyone in the world to get together and stop driving cars and declare war on the coal-loving Romans. The Romans love to burn coal. Holy shit, dude. Those guys are awful. <laughs> I noticed that in my game, too, actually. They Trajan, were on the other side of the planet just destroying everything. They will tear down every forest, put down a farm, and burn coal. Trajan is a horrible person. Um, and so it's... it's uh, So the fact that you know they don't want to make... I understand that the pressures both within the franchise philosophy and in just strike game design to not make it seem like a real huge threat. But I, I do think it's a bit of a missed opportunity in adding some late game pressure there. Because right now the real late game pressures, I feel, are weirdly enough in the culture. Because now it seems like there's always one 
nation that's challenging me in culture and tourism. It used to be like no one could catch me. So I said, turn off culture victories or I'd always win. But now there's always one, at least one nation that that manages to keep up pretty well. Um, so I have a lot more challenges trying to beat back, you know, Persia, or then you have Eleanor, one of the new leaders, built up with fact design in a while, who just loves, you know, culture and tourism and because it's her... Well, yeah, by the nature that, of... Yeah, yeah that, that's her just her... Su- abilities. That's her superpower. Um, so, you know, so now we have, we, have, we have rock bands as a late game unit. And, oh my God, I love these guys. <laughs> it's so good. It's, when I first I saw, I saw it, I thought, well, this is stupid. Uh, but no, it actually, and, and, then, and then you do it and you get to name them. Oh, I spent to, like 15 minutes on each rock band. Like, Oh, what, is, what's this one's name? And where's he going? <laughs> he's going to Uluru and he's going to do a concert there. Oh man. Uh, and that and it gives, if you didn't found a religion, there was never any reason to really accumulate faith. Now right. there's a reason to gather faith, whether you founded a religion or not. You don't spend it on missionaries or apostles, but you buy your rock bands with faith. And then they go around giving concerts, and they can they have uh, different powers to build up tourism, and they work like level, spies you, you almost. Level like, them up. Yeah, you can level them up. I love that. And there's my like there's one uh, power where they can reduce a city's loyalty by fifty. Like uh, there's one promotion. So I sent out a, two of these punk bands. Into per- playing the game as Molly now, I sent uh, two punk bands into Persia. They played. Two, they both played concerts there at the capital. The capital revolts. Oh wow! <laughs> then they go to the second city and do the exact same thing, but they both die there. They both give their I, final concerts there. I want to know if that there. means these Malian punk bands were really bad or really good. <laughs> they just fomented revolution. And the thing is, I wanted to build the, the, the great super stadium, the Estadio, mm-hmm. whatever, that gives like amenities. But I was far, be- I was a little bit behind in tech and the Persians were building it first in their capital. Then I forced the revolt. They stopped building that <laughs> sucker. And now the Persians had to take it back and their capital is a, is a population of four. And that's all thanks to the sex pistols. <laughs> And I just that's love just, that's that, just history. That's, that's just history. That's, now that's, you're just now you're just repeating the world. That's just how it was. And but I just love that there's now a, there's a faith based unit in the end game yep. that you can use. And because there's now a, a, one or two cultures that will keep up with you in the tourism race, that you do have rock bands crisscrossing the globe, playing in other people's countries to keep their tourism relatively balanced with each other. So now now I have Persian rock bands, you know, touring Mali. Uh, giving concerts at the the Sydney Opera House, and it's I it's a small thing, but I just love this stupid little unit that I can name and that will give me tourism points or gold points or foment revolts, and it's just the best. And they're accompanied so by little stories as well. Like if they break yeah. up as a band, they like played their last gig, they're old timers, that's it for them, or like they have a sort of creative differences. It's fantastic. They don't just die; they split up. I mean, the, the first time they go, they have a fifty percent chance of failing, of, of of not of failing, but of breaking up. Like they'll always succeed in their mission, but a fifty percent chance that a unit dies. But then they gain experience, and they get bonuses for playing on certain. Like some bands are better at wonders, and some are better at theaters or whatever. And you can play into these bonuses, so they have like a four percent chance of failing at the very minimum, I think. So you can have these guys. 
running around, really expect this is the Rolling Stones. They just cannot be killed. Uh, <laughs> going around giving concerts. And it's it's just stupid fun. And that's another late game, end game part of the game that I don't think got a lot of attention, but it does make this whole currency of faith, which was kind of useless in the end game before, unless you had uh, the Grandmaster's Chapel in your government center and you could use it to build, build units. Or you were fighting for a religious victory, which nobody likes religious victories, they're stupid. But now faith is actually a kind of an important culture unit, and it's an aggressive weapon um, in an interesting and creative way. You know, it, I think one of the things that is is interesting to me because it, it seems like this expansion in particular is addressing the consistent big problem not just with with Civ but with a lot of strategy games which is the in game is hard to keep it from just being a chore or not particularly interesting and right I mean they haven't solved that problem but I definitely found myself enjoying playing the in state more in gathering storm certainly than i had in previous civ 6 and i think competitive with most other civ games that have come up to this point right it is it is not just okay managing 19 cities and the building queue for each of those and i don't even care anymore it's just so, so rote that i'm barely paying attention to it yes that's still in there, but doing things like, you know, the rock bands and, you know, at least sort of monitoring climate change and having to, you know, shift production ideas in a city because, oh, now I actually do need to be build this seawall or I'm going to lose this tile that has a bunch of oil or, or, or nuclear or whatever on it. Like, it just gives you more, it's not just more to do in the end game, but more things that I found at least fun to do. I don't know if my 10th game, I feel the same way, um, but certainly for the first few games i've just like i haven't been there going i should just start over I mean, i'm you, bored i've already even, won even the science win has been changed like yeah. how you how you yeah. get into space where now you will want to have multiple spaceports not to build multiple parts of the spaceship but they will accelerate your exoplanet thing so you're building these special lasers to push your spaceship faster um so the science game becomes so even if you're a little late in getting your spaceship up which I never am, but sometimes I have bad luck, especially in a new expansion, and somebody does actually get a rocket up um, a little bit ahead of me or close to me. I want to speed up my ship, um, make it go faster, and I can do that through new science stuff. Um, they've extended the tech tree uh, to some interesting uh, I mean late technologies. Kind of. Well, <laughs> yes. Like they've uh, got a lot of. Sensibly. Well, they've, they've, also, they, they've also they've also expanded it in the middle as well. So yeah, it's it's. I think they've done some good stuff with in the tech tree, but I think that the future stuff is kind of crap. Uh, like there's uh, there's some okay stuff like you can build things like it, it like there's more water now, so go and build in the water more. And that's that's good, but. The focus is on building giant killer robots. And oh, I do love the giant death robots, though. I, I did at first, and then I saw that most of like what I was researching was just like invisible improvements for my giant killer giant death, death robots. And now it's they like, go faster. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, like in my first game, I wasn't play. I'm, I got into wars, but I wasn't playing an aggressive civ. I didn't really. I wasn't in any big global kind of world wars at that point i just didn't feel the need for them and so all of this tech being focused on this like one military unit uh i just didn't really care um like if you're playing 
if you've got a different play style, it may be better, but it just didn't make much of a difference for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I My most recent game was Hungry, and Hungry Very is just, aggressive. I mean, it, yeah, it's just like, here, I want to, I want to, I'm only playing Domination. Um, and so but like that diplomatic was... domination, though, right? It's weird, isn't it? A little, a little of both, right? Well, let's, 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 let's start talking about some of the oh, factions. Because okay. right. uh, right. you're going into Hungary, and Hungary does require you to play civ in an interesting way. So what, are hung what makes Hungary different? So, so the big thing with Hungary is that really it uses city-states um, very effectively as a tool of war specifically. Um, so you definitely want to have sort of that diplomatic outreach to the city-states because what you can do is you can levy their military um, for 30 turns, but you get like these huge bonuses to uh, the fighting force, the fighting effectiveness of the city-states, plus you can upgrade all the units of a city-state for absolutely free. So there isn't this huge focus on just building your own army, right? You got to build your own army. But every time I went to war, particularly in the early and middle game, I'm like, okay, Fez, Time to go get them. Let's let's, let's go <laughs> let's go beat up the Maori because they are not ready for your five you know musketeers who have just appeared and I upgraded for free and you're right on their doorstep. Um, so that to me, I mean, they have their special unit like the Hussar uh, and the Black Army, which are, are are pretty cool and they can be very very powerful. But it is really that manipulation of the city states as your fighting force which attracted me to them and it makes them just bonkers powerful like it was that was almost i was playing i think on emperor difficulty um and because I'm, I'm not i'm not a deity player yet but still i was surprised how easy as long all i had to do is in the early game make sure the ai didn't kill all the city states um and then the rest of the game just sort of flowed from there yeah when, when i played as hungry i didn't have any city states near me at all mm. like there were i was on this huge that's continent. a restart i was on this huge <laughs> continent and there was a mountain range, and I had to get through Congo, and I think, you know, the Cherokee, and they were separating me from all the city-states. It's like, oh, what do you do? I had this big, it was, a, it was an awful continent. My, my, my capital's on a flat riverbed. No trees, Ooh. no mountains, lots of, lots of, you know, food. So I, I yeah, should have also has this benefit to like building districts across a river tile. And I think I paid attention to that twice because <laughs> <it was, laughs> I don't like it just was like, no, nah, I don't care about this. It, the, the standard approach seems to work here. Uh, that's interesting. I would love to be able, if you could have preserved those city states, though, like now you actually have a flanking force, though, like if yeah. you can become their suzerain. Um, and then you start a war and you bring your army and they're all like, ha that's tiny army. And then you're like, oh, check, you know, check your, your, your back door. Cause here comes two city States. That, that would have been fun. Yeah. That's what I should, that's what I should have done instead of just killing them myself. Uh, <laughs> you could also just kill them yourself. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the, in many ways, a lot of the, um, a lot of the factions, I mean, every new, every new expansion will have factions designed to celebrate the parts of the new, uh, expansion. And mm -hmm. there are a lot of things going on in the faction design here. There are nine, nine new leaders, uh, eight new civs, because there's a one leader for one new leader for England and France, and it's the same person. Uh, I, I love that neither England nor France still has a, 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 a male leader yet. They both have women <laughs> for both of them, for, for, for both awesome. of their leaders, which I just think is cute. love it. Because it's cute. Uh, so we have Eleanor of Aquitaine, who does, who will represent England or France, and her power is 
great works in a city will will depress loyalty of neighboring enemy cities. So you can use Michael and I. I said on Twitter, it's like it's, 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 you're using the the, the 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 Ninja Turtles offensively. You build Donatello and Michelangelo and Leonardo, and you just put all their stuff in a museum, <laughs> and the Ninja Turtles <laughs> will just uh, plow through. Uh, and that's kind of how it works, and it worked very very well. Um, yeah. If you can get your city set up right, and we have, but that's but we also have um, Canada, which is a mm-hmm. diplomatic civilization, accrues diplomatic power faster. We have the Maori who take very great offense to people polluting the world. Um, yeah, they're not fans of that. They're, they I do was not the like... biggest polluter is the Maori as well. Oh, yeah, like, the Maori hated really me. Bad. Well, yeah, when, 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 when you're the person, it's different. <laughs> I, I love the way the Maori start because yeah, the so Maori good. actually start at sea and you have to kind of find land as your first action. Um, but you are still accruing um, culture and science while you're kind of hunting around for, for your starting location. Like, that's just, I don't know. That's It's a small detail, but that constant, I'm going to start a game of Civ, and the first button I press is B. Like, that just, you know, it, it's kind of fun to be out at sea and... Still being able, not feeling like you're in a position where if it takes you more than five turns, your game's over. Um, but just kind of really being more selective about where you're starting. I, I just, it was it was a cool little thing. It's a small yeah. thing, but I liked it. Yeah, I mean, for an archipelago map, the Maori are just fantastic. Oh, because, so I mean, they, they can circumnavigate from pretty much turn one. And right, they, really, yeah, they can, they they can go in ocean tiles away. right away. Yep. yep. So they're, they're, I mean, they're effectively the Polynesians from Civ Five, and they're just out, just an outstanding archipelago Civ. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, there are a couple of good kind of naval Civ, like Carthage. Sorry, the Phoenicians rather, but right. it's uh, um, they're like because they can move their capital to any other uh, city, Phoenician city with uh, Cothon. So, like, it's their unique harbor. Uh, so they can just switch across uh like ju- as long as there's a cotton already built in the city um i think they also get a unique uh naval unit as well i'm drawing yeah. a blank the, on the, what it the, is the, 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 the byreme the byreme which replaces it. the galley and i think yeah. most most importantly for them is any coastal city built on the capital's continent nev- never lose never loses loyalty so you can like you can settle and their their uh uh, colonists get you know extra vision, so they can sail around a continent, settle on that same continent like many many hexes apart, like right in the enemy's backyard, and set up an effective colony there, uh, which is a very I mean, I'm, I've never been a huge fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the way loyalty was introduced in the last expansion. I didn't really kind of like how it was worked out. Yeah. But I, I, I think they've done a lot to make loyalty more interesting in this expansion. They've, 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 they've tweaked the governors so a lot more of them have effects on loyalty. Because before, a governor always had some effect. But there was only one who really like pushed uh, loyalty, the uh, diplomat uh but now they have a bunch of, they've balanced the governors a little bit more. Most of them are still useless, uh, but there are three or four who are quite good. And the Turks get an outstanding special governor uh, who can, like, yep. do a lot oh, the of really vizier, the, Is it the Grand Vizier or Grand something? Vizier, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but there's also I think every every governor produces a little bit of loyalty. Yes, um, yes. It, it is like the, the system is fundamentally still the same as it was in the last expansion, but it's there are just like more ways to mitigate it now, and so you don't have to worry about it as much and some pretty big powers as well. Yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the governors now has the power to like there will be no natural disasters in that city if you you know get up to that. Uh, level of experience, which is really fantastic if you're building in a volcano zone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that is a hundred percent true. Um, that I Mansa Musa uh, the Mali uh, is very trade and money focused. I actually found him the hardest to play, uh, at least in the early game. Well, because just, they it, because they get yeah. that production penalty. Yeah, it's a very, it is, it is, you are hampered from day one, but if you can get to the point where you can start bringing in, in, you know, the, the money, then you're just, you're, you're like, if, if you ramp up faster than another Civ can kill you, yeah, I think you sort of become invincible from just a, you know, a pure wealth point of view. Um, but I found that one actually, like, that was the most difficult one that I played, um, just because it is, it is so sort of hamstrung over those first critical parts of the game. Uh, the rest of them, like, I, I feel like, I feel like this is, this is an expansion where a lot of these leaders will get a few tweaks over the next coming patches. I, I feel like some of those numbers are going to get toned down a little bit. Um, Cause they, all of them, uh, you know, I, I played Hungary. Hungary feels very strong. Uh, I played a little bit of the Inca. The Inca feel, you know, very, very strong. Well, they're a uh, super the science. Does the Incans are a super oh. science Oh, yeah, totally. And, yeah, their, their they ability are... to go ahead go through mountains. No, I was just going to say, plus their ability to kind of power through mountains and do all sorts of, like, they're just, they're, like, well, it's yeah. a lot of fun. All the, all of the, all of the, the, the Civ design and the leader design is adding a lot of interesting dimensions to this game. Um, and yeah, there, I think in some cases that makes them a little too strong and there needs to be a little bit of adjustment, but at the other end of that spectrum, like I'm having a blast with each one that I play and it's taking me down different styles of play that I wouldn't necessarily do. Well, I mean, Canada can't declare a surprise wars on anybody. So you can't just, mm -hmm. you know, sneak up on somebody with a bunch of archers and say, surprise, I'm here. But also nobody can declare a surprise war on them, which is kind of fantastic. Uh, because it gives, because it gives you at least a five turn warning that you know Genghis Khan's coming to kill you before Genghis Khan comes to kill you because you can't build archers that fast because you're Canada. Um, the hockey and you get mounties. Yeah, eventually you get mounties, which are cute. The hockey rinks are a hockey fun. Hockey rinks. Yep. The, 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 <laughs> the 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 bone of the ability to farm on tundra. That's nice. But you know, the Canadian is a Wolf of Lori, He's a diplomatic. Uh, Juggernaut. They get so many bonuses uh, for government diplomatic favor for helping in emergencies, for winning these sorts of things. Uh, they get huge bonuses there, which means they can win a ton of votes. Uh, but though they are, though they can't be, they can't be the sneaky military if you want them to be. Um, and but and the Mountie is okay, great. But how many national parks do you ever actually build? Oh, I built well because I, I was some, kind of, yeah. yeah. I, I was, built I like was, I, two I, or three I, in my first game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've I've never built more than two in a single game, ever. Because I put uh, tanks in one of them. Maybe maybe I'm just too developing of all of my tiles, but I just how is there empty space for a 
were abundant national parks. Like, I mean, I guess I was building them when I still had space. I mean, yeah, I think but right, I mean, but but the, the, it goes away quick. Right, but the, 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 the bounty bonus of they got a bonus when they attack out of national parks. Who's fighting near my national parks? <laughs> I, I actually had one there. right on a border, which is why I had tanks in my national park. So, <laughs> so like, I w- that wasn't as Canada, unfortunately. I could have really benefited from that. So, yeah, it's a neat So now you know, Troy, it does happen. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I, 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 I love the idea of building national parks, but I never get enough of them. So I'm just, I'm just too right. busy raping and pillaging the earth and causing the seas to rise. <laughs> just typical just, Canada. Just, just building that, just getting all that oil and just putting it into the atmosphere as quick yeah, as you can. Got to build that pipeline. <laughs> uh, so this is a, a, I mean, this is a. What do you think the, the way that was, the way this experience was put together that was assembled? Uh, what do you think is missing? What do you think, if, if there's room for another expansion, which I can see, I can see instead of going to Civ 7, there might be room for more add-ons, whether it be more na- nation packs. They've done small nation packs uh, in between expansions. Uh, or do you think it would be another full expansion? What's left to address? I mean, the, the end game's pretty solid. They've added some stuff to the mid game as well. Uh, they have new governments in the end game. They have a bunch of units to fill things in the middle game. If you know, if, They've up. You can now you can upgrade the the uh, your scout has another upgrade tier. Your horseman has another upgrade tier. There's a few other uh, units that have been introduced and a few other techs here and there. Um, so what's the uh, and a lot of new wonders, which are kind of always kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is the what is the direction for Civ as a Civ player as a Civ fan? Uh, where should they go next? Because there's a bunch of because we still don't have our, the the Portuguese, and I gotta have my freaking Portuguese. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel I feel like there's a pattern pretty set in stone with Civ games, where it's the you know the the first expansion comes along, it kind of starts to clean things up. The second expansion is the big one that kind of finishes the game. And then they move on, and I really feel like we're going to see that again. I don't, I don't see another civilization in Civ Six's future, and I honestly don't know aside from just adding stuff. Right? There's always more stuff. Um, obviously, I would love to see ongoing sort of um, improvements to the way the AI fights wars. To I would love to see some. Uh, you know, improvements and just how kind of it handles those diplomatic favors and stuff like, like just like all the things that I want are cool. You've got these awesome systems, you've got climate change, you've got weather, you've got, you know, the basic sort of Civ model you've got, I mean, it's, 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 it's in good shape, right? This is a good expansion and I'm very happy with it. I'm enjoying my time with it. Um, But all, when I think about what does this game need, it's all, okay, make this a little better and make this a little better and make this a little better. And is that practical? for for access to do certainly not as an expansion i'm sure we'll see some patches but i think the life cycle of civ 6 probably is coming to a natural end it's just i mean it's that's not me being a bummer about it either that's just sort of how these things go and and i can kind of live with that with this game i'd love to see a few improvements but um i think any major kind of changes would either need to add you know a, a some a bunch more mechanics into a game um yeah i don't i don't have any brilliant ideas for for what they could add into this game where i'm like oh yeah that's definitely missing oh, did, did but, either, uh, either of you play, play, play the scenario that comes with this 
I haven't done the scenarios yet. No. No, I actually often just like ignore scenarios. <laughs> I, I usually do too, and so, some of them are quite. The, the the Nubian scenario, for example, was very very good when they introduced Nubia. It's an outstanding scenario. The one here is is the Black Death. Right. Yes. It's it's just in like uh, France. Is it's that right? Still, it's it's in or it's, sort of that Western. Yeah, it's Germany, France, England, and Spain, and oh, yeah. uh, and some independent cities. And the Black Death comes along, and it's just a, it's a science race. You develop enough science to reduce the plague before the plague kills everyone. But when you declare war, that's it. It's permanent. You're always at war. So there's, huh. no, so there's no diplomacy, and the plague can kill your units. So the AI will wait till the plague eviscerates one of your cities, then send a bunch <laughs> of, then declare war on you, and hope their knights aren't carrying anything. Um, and you're building plague doctors, and it is a whole mess. And I'm not sure what I think of it yet. I was just curious. About it. I would love for one of you guys to try it and report back on it because see what you think. Because as far as scenarios, I think it's an interesting design. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's up there with the Nubian scenario as far as, wow, this is actually a really good game. But it's in this, wow, you're just really kicking me in the balls here, aren't you, Sim? This is just <laughs> not... This is... You can see the plague creeping across the map. It's, oh, no. <laughs> I have not tried it. Now, I, I'm not sure if I'm more enticed or less enticed to try it. If you've never liked Civ scenarios, I think there have been some really good Civ scenarios in the past, especially okay. in Civ yeah. 4. But if you've never liked Civ scenarios, this is not going to win you over. <laughs> uh, but if you are curious, uh, if you think there have been there have been some good scenarios, and you wonder could this actually be one, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. So, mm-hmm. audience, same to you. If there is if there is civ scenarios that you like, and if you've tried this one, I'd like to get your feedback because it's just a big kick in the teeth as far as I'm concerned. But it is kind of neat that it's kind of a is it is all about science. There is war because because if you get eliminated, that's kind of it. But to win, you pretty much have to have your city survive enough and develop enough science to push back the plague, which I think is kind of neat. So Fraser, where do you come down on where where Civ should go, where it's at? Do you think we have to wait for? I mean, this is a game that's not even three years old yet, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, it should go on holiday. Civ. I think it should take a wee break. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to get another uh, expansion. Because, uh, I mean, if we do, it would be weird. It would be out of character. Uh, and I just, I just don't think, as Sean said, I don't think there's any sort of big, important features that it's really missing. I mean, there are, every system could be mm-hmm. improved. I think yes. that's the case with most games, but uh-huh. I think there are things in Civ that are especially uh, in need of some tweaking. Uh, I don't think it needs an expansion for that. Uh, it wouldn't be a very interesting expansion. Right. Um, and like, I think beyond that, I'm not kind of, we need a new Civ, let's see where Civ yeah. can take us. I kind of feel like it's been a long time. We've had Civ on the go for a while, and I think that We've seen some big changes in the last couple of games, some massive changes with the switch to to hexes, with the mm-hmm. unstacking of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still fundamentally the Civ that we started out playing 20-odd, 30 years ago. Um, I would love for Axis to take Civ to a completely new place. I think that... And I'm. it's sad that... Um, What's it, what is it called? Beyond Earth, whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
it's a shame that sucked because I think that might put off for Axis because it did suck. It was not good. Um, it's a shame that I think Firaxis might not be interested in doing something like that again for a while. And they, when they did their little space, other space thing, it didn't go very well, the spaceship thing. Oh, um, uh, right, right, yeah. I don't know, maybe space isn't good. Maybe they should do something else. But I do feel like taking some of the, the stuff that we've gotten from Civ and applying it to something radically different. Uh, I don't think we need to have Civ going on forever. I think it can take a break for, like five years or something just give us a wee rest well, I mean, and i think we've got a great civ to play in the meantime it, it, it was five years between civ 4 and civ 5 and it was six years between civ 5 and civ 6 so but but, but we've always had a civ um so i mean it's not like but i mean this is what firaxis does firaxis makes civ Right. And, and XCOM now and too. XCOM. Now, yeah. Now they make XCOM too. But wouldn't uh, it be good if it was an and something else? I, I would well. absolutely. You know, you know me. I would absolutely. I'm a big fan of you know doing new games and seeing talented people because uh, this is from uh, Ed Beach and Anton Stenger and uh, Civ Sixes or the uh, Gathering Storm, and it is. There's a lot of really good design ideas in here, and I'd love to yeah. see that put towards. Uh, and of course, uh, Beach has a long history of making complicated but very interesting historical board games, and I'd like to see maybe some of that uh, find its way into the Civ team. Um, something you know where they take a more abstract look at some of the historical stuff, um, because you know the the talent is definitely definitely there. I agree. I mean, there, but I mean, I think. Fraser, I agree with you. Like, if in E3 2020, Fraxis pops up and says, check out Civ 7, I'm actually going to be kind of dis... <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm actually going to be kind of disappointed. I'm going to be kind of like, oh, really? I mean, unless they're just like, blow my mind with this huge kind of shift and change in it. I would, lo I, I would love for them... Civilization 7 Star Citizen, something like that? <laughs> I like or, Civilization Seven. Everyone's a dragon now. <laughs> yeah, fantasy Civ. Let's try yeah, that. One. That would be a, a, a <laughs> master, master of magic. Master of magic. Yeah, yeah let's, exactly. let's do that. There's a that lot to go. Dope. Let's go back to the old microprose days. Let's just pull out the whole big box of Heck stuff yeah. and see what's in there. <laughs> there's so many good games. Yeah. Love uh, it. Yeah, I, because I, 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 I think there's still like there's a lot to love about Civ. I just don't think we need constant iterations i think it can take a break and we can see right. something new and for axis are well that. positioned to do that and for, and for axis like they can i mean the the changes particularly they did to the XCOM franchise to really turn that into what it is yes. now like that was there's a lot of creativity there's a lot of smarts there's a lot of really good strategy game design ideas in that company and i would love to see what they can do with something new so. Frankly, with because of XCOM, I think strategy is not a, just some niche. I think it yeah, made totally. strategy uh, an accessible thing again, which is fantastic. So imagine if they could do that with like Master of Magic. Uh, that mm. would be pretty crazy. Now well, I want that. Okay, so uh, before we close down, your favorite thing in Gathering the Storm, your favorite one single thing in Gathering Storm. It's starting as the Maori, actually. I love that yeah. it's like a completely new, fresh start. It's and it's so short and brief, but it's like I've never started Civ like that. It's great. And I mm -hmm. think that kind of it feels properly new for a little bit, and I like that a lot. 
Yeah, taking it to sort of the the next level, I'm in the same boat, which is the 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 leader design, like overall the leader design, and just the the way it encourages me to try stuff I haven't tried before or have been hesitant to try in the Civ game. I really like, like I want to go play every single leader through every single like not every win condition, but like their core win condition and see the different ways I can play. I think the leader design in this is is some of the best they've done. They've really knocked it out of the park, haven't they? Yeah. This time for yeah. from ad, for adding variety. I mean, there. I mean. To start, I mean, after a while, they get to the, the the end game, every leader kind of feels the same, but they mm-hmm. start all so differently. Um, but and the favorite, the, and the best thing in the game is still rock bands. Right, <laughs> <laughs> rock so bands are awesome. It's it's I just it's, uh, I just love the idea of having you know this important game currency having value again, um, and it, it's. It's something I, I still think religious victories are kind of boring. I don't like them, but I yeah. but I do love the idea that okay, now you've got to build holy areas because everyone knows that the that 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 religious rock music, that Christian rock is <laughs> Christian. the most is the most powerful part of civilizations. That, there is something you know. to analyze there about why you buy rock bands with faith, but I'm just going to put that one aside for now and just go with it as a gameplay decision. There is apparently a, a there is a there's now a, a mod where you can build um, you can use faith to build uh, sensors, religious sensors who can defeat rock bands in theological combat. Amazing! So it's just like theological combat, and now you have somebody somebody to stop I the rock my mind. bands. I know. I know what I want in the next expansion. <laughs> I think that's isn't that great? It's a brilliant mod because rock bands can actually turn the tide of a tourism war. So having like religious units to go out and stop rock and roll, like you can have you can, you can have footloose happen, you know, right on your doorstep, and it is just I love that mod. And whoever thought of that, I uh, should look that up and link it in the show notes. I think that's fantastic. Uh, thanks to Fraser and Sean for joining me here to talk about. You know, everyone knows Civilization is one of my absolutely favorite games, and I'm a huge fan of what they've done in Gathering Storm, despite my niggling uh, issues here and there. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is brought to you by listeners like you through uh, your grand donations on Patreon. You can check out. Uh, our Patreon page at patreon.com slash 3MA. You can see what we're all about and maybe support us and we use that money to support many of the freelancers who appear on our show and also make sure that our editor and engineer and producer, Michael Hermes, uh, gets the money he deserves putting together this outstanding program whenever we decide to record it. Uh, You can talk about our show uh, at uh, at 3movesahead.net where we have a forum uh, that we... uh, but we read, we don't comment on all that often because who has time to write anything? Uh, but we do read your comments and we do take them under consideration. Uh, so thank you for listening. Hopefully we all have a much more productive March with more shows. Have a great weekend.